across the UK. Overnight with Martin Kelman. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico You got to be in so much to see in Mexico that's where we're going now, to uh, Campeche in Mexico, and our good friend uh, John Bonfilio. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. No problem at all, Martin. Good evening. Good evening, good evening. Now, the uh, subject of the uh, the wall has come up again. Um, I mean, this is obviously a, a Donald Trump pro- project, as we know, and uh, he appears to be reveling in a, a decision by the Biden administration uh, to build a new section of this wall along the uh, U.S. border with uh, Mexico. And he's claiming uh, it's proved that he was right all along to uh, erect the uh, the wall to halt um, migrants. But a uh, bit of a shock to find that um, the Biden administration is uh, is buying into this. A complete shock. There's been a lot of what this week in the news. And of course, you know, no version of Donald Trump is a good version, but smug Trump is the least <laughs> uh, is the least palatable version of, of all. And uh, Joe Biden, you know, he said when he came into office, he wouldn't build another foot of that wall. And curiously, at the same time as his administration announced that they were going to continue building the wall, he also said that walls don't work. And also that he wasn't his policy, that it was federal funds that had been assigned and that he was doing it to stop migration. But it wasn't his idea and that his uh, hands were tied. This is I mean, look, uh, currently this migrant crisis, which is a crisis, it's important to be honest about this in terms of the figures you know currently 8000 migrants per day are being mm. apprehended uh numbers from ecuador up 85% because of organized crime there from ecuador up uh, sorry from nicaragua up 184% because of political persecution cuba because of economic disaster the biggest uh exodus in cuban history 118 uh, percent uh, migrants in el paso this week 86% of them were Venezuelan. Those numbers are up 63%. Biden is going to continue building sections of pre-assigned border wall in Texas to limit migrant crossings, which are sky high at record levels again. And he's trying to firefight what is a major political issue between the Democrats and the Republicans. But instead of actually, uh, you know, uh, watering down uh, both sides of the of the argument, he's actually just poured petrol on it Instead, the left, his base, have said that it's a U-turn and, as you say, that it's a Trump-era policy. And the right is saying, basically, I told you so. And, yeah, smug Trump is himself demanding uh, an apology. The biggest issues, the three biggest issues in Latin America since forever have been migration, poverty and organized crime, except for the fact that they're not really three issues at all. They are a single issue that really nobody seems not just able to get a handle on, but, but really to be able to interested in actually looking seriously at in order to properly mitigate and, and mediate, mediate and improve uh, these this uh, central singular problem uh, in the months and weeks ahead. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we have sort of illegal, uh, illegal migrants here. Uh, in the UK coming over on small boats from wherever it's Afghanistan and Libya and various uh, places throughout the world. Uh, and 
one of the arguments has been that it's because it's so difficult to um, to migrate legally. You know, there's, there's you know legal uh, the legal channels are so difficult to get. I'm just wondering if it's the same in in the US. I mean, is it possible if you are in one of these countries where you know you economically um, uh, oppressed, if you like, uh, or there's political problems, crime problems, can you legally get into the United States or are people uh, migrating illegally because um, there's no way to get in legally? Yeah, you, you cannot get into the United States legally. And actually, since uh, the famous Title 42 pandemic era legislation was rescinded by the Biden administration, they've actually now set up overseas. We've heard this story before overseas centers, processing centers, whereby uh, it makes it it's completely impossible for you to actually legally get into the U.S. by crossing uh, the U.S.-Mexico border. You have to apply and wait uh, overseas. And of course, the, the, the effort there or the, uh, the, the attempt that's being made there is to remove pressure on uh, on the border. No, but, but to, to get across legally is is not impossible. But it's important to recognize the sense, the complete overwhelming sense of desperation that these families and individuals have. And that's, of course, why, you know, they, they try and do whatever it is that they have to do. Getting up to the U.S.-Mexico border, wherever it is that you're from, whether it's from Venezuela, from Cuba, from uh, from Haiti, from Ecuador, this is not an easy decision uh, to, to make. And you know before you go that the chances of you making it are, are slim, that you're going to encounter literal horrors uh, on the way. But, you know, what the status quo that these people live in means that it's a no-brainer, that a sliver of a potential sliver of hope further down the line, uh, maybe just about crossing illegally into the U.S. and finding a family member, even if those if those things are unlikely to take place, is way better than what you have in your, uh, you know, you, again, your current uh, uh, home state mm. country. So th these are the U.S. constantly thinks or presents that they're sort of pull factors that it's the American dream and so on. But really, there are way more push factors uh, at play here than uh, than pull factors. Yeah. Uh, in Brazil, uh, meanwhile, uh, John, prosecutors have launched civil proceedings into one of the national banks in uh, Brazil. Uh, and this is about reparations, isn't it, for, for slavery, saying that, you know, they've profited from, also an argument we've had here, they profited from slavery and they have to pay reparations. Tell me about that story. Yeah, this is fascinating. This is the Banco do Brasil, which is Brazil's second largest public bank. And the investigation is designed to hold the bank to account for its historical role in the enslavement of millions of Africans. Uh, Brazil was built on the enslavement of uh, millions of black Africans and indigenous peoples. Twelve million enslaved Africans were taken to the Americas over about uh, three or four centuries, of, of which half went uh, to Brazil. Slavery was abolished there very late in 1888. Uh, but in practice, it was entrenched and ensconced long after and, and people would say that, you know, the ongoing structural violence against black and indigenous Brazilians uh, continues to be in place. And, and I think what's interesting about this is that for a long time we heard about apologies, you know, truth and reconciliation uh, processes and, and apologies. But now the, certainly what, what I hear in terms of rhetoric here in, in the Americas is that apologies is uh, are not enough, that reparations, that financial uh, reparations have to be brought uh 
to bear, the organizations in particular uh, that were at the heart of profiteering from slavery need to have those funds redistributed in order to try and um, uh, to try and shift, try and move away this, these structural inequalities and this myth of racial democracy, which uh, which exists in particular in in Brazil. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more of this as uh, the language and the focus uh, changes. And for sure, this is a seminal point in Brazil in terms of this uh, this court case that is is going to be playing out over the next weeks and months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, here's a big one. Peru uh, is outraged, outraged after it was announced that uh, the new Paddington Bear film has rejected Peru and uh, chosen Colombia as its location instead. Tell us about that. Generated fury this has in Peru. Peruvian lawmakers don't need much of an excuse uh, for, to, to get angry and uh, shouty and sweaty about uh, about things. But, yeah, this, this is, uh, is about... The, the third Paddington film, Paddington in Peru, which is actually now going to be Paddington in Colombia, mislocated. Uh, it's going to be filmed in neighboring Colombia and it's caused an almighty, the mother of all political uh, rows. Some lawmakers in Peru have taken to the Senate floor and have been saying that it's about a lack of incentives for filmmakers, that it's have cited bureaucratic barriers. But actually, there's a number of stories in one because the opposing perspective says that actually if you change this, the, the current uh system of incentives for filmmakers in Peru, that would actually force the undoing of existing subsidies, in particular relating to indigenous filmmakers, because uh, where there has been a limited film industry in Peru recently, it's sort of focused on uh, representing diverse native heritage and local storytelling. So uh, on the one on the one hand, people are up in arms saying this is terrible. How can on earth can this happen? But then the other side of the uh, the political Spectrum is saying, but actually, if we undo this, then actually it's going to affect the very weakest members of our society whose stories most need to be told. And so dear old Paddington Bear from deepest, darkest Peru has waded uh, Wellington boot first into this uh, (laughs) into this into this local row. Yeah. I like that. Wellington boot first. Um, just a big sports story, which um, with eyebrows have been raised over here. Uh, the 2030 FIFA World Cup is going to start in uh, Latin America, in Uruguay, Argentina and Paraguay uh, before the tournament goes to Spain, Morocco and Portugal, which are the, uh, you know, the putative hosts of this. Uh, and this, I assume, is to celebrate the centenary, which started in Uruguay, didn't it, in uh, 1930. Um, I wasn't there, but it was, um, it was it, that was the start of the whole thing. And I presume this is why they're going to play these matches in uh, in Latin America. Yeah, well, it's exactly why they're going to play it in, in Uruguay. Uh, not too sure why that then extends to because to a match in Argentina and Paraguay, because it's only three matches that are going to be played mm. in total, one in Uruguay, one in Argentina. And everybody's wondering, well, what was wondering why Paraguay? That's because Alejandro Dominguez, uh, the Conmebol president, is uh, Paraguayan. So as ever with FIFA, is it controversial to say that maybe some palms uh, have been <laughs> greased uh, somewhere down the line? I think we're so way beyond that with FIFA, with that being a controversial uh, statement. I'm interested because um, here the, the initial excitement at the announcement a couple of days ago, has rapidly gave way to annoyance, frustration and uh, disgust. How has it been received over in the UK? 
Well, it was interesting because I was uh, listening to uh, White and Jordan, big popular show on Talk Sport uh, during the week, and um, this is uh, Jim White and, and Simon Jordan. And uh, Jim White was saying it's outrageous, it's stupid, it's on three continents. And then uh, they had this argument about whether Morocco, which is in Africa, so it is you know, strictly speaking on three continents, but it's quite close to the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, and there was this argument whether um, Simon Jordan, who has a home in Marbella, can see Morocco from his kitchen. So I listened to a 10 minute argument about what you could see from Simon, from Simon Jordan's kitchen in Marbella. Um, so it's sort of it's caused amusement over here. Um, but I think the general feeling is once you've had it in Qatar in November, which was absolutely, you know, complete nonsense, it's all up for grabs. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing yeah. is too outrageous or ridiculous. And, and we all know that this is that all of this merry-go-round of trying to get uh, various continents involved is to is to prepare the way, smooth the way for Saudi Arabia in, in 2034. I think the yeah. fact that it's uh, in that bit of Portugal, Spain and Morocco, Charles, Charles de Gaulle would be quite happy with because he famously sent, said that Africa began at the, at the, Pyre at the Pyrenees in a, you know, one of his more, more racist uh, <laughs> diatribes uh, at the time. But certainly over here, I mean, what, there, there are lots of questions. You know, when you break it down, what happens to automatic qualification in the common world because those three countries are automatically going to qualify and the two-year campaign of, of qualifiers leading up to that is going to be massively uh, affected because three already of the five are going to qualify so that only leaves two two others of course the three individual matches being played in each of these countries and then the vast distances that that people have to uh, have to move thereafter is is another uh, bone of contention and really doesn't help I mean, for sure, okay, fine. It's a celebration of what took place 100 years ago in, in Uruguay, but it certainly doesn't feel uh, like anybody that I've spoken to or the reception here, it doesn't feel like it's it's a celebration at all. It feels as though, uh, you know, people are actually, the fever's actually spitting out, spitting at Uruguay and just giving them sort of a token bit of uh, stale bread rather than actually being serious about 100 years of, um, of the uh, Jules Romain. The Jules Rimet, which of course is now the FIFA World Cup. We've all forgotten about Jules. Um, as always, uh, John, thank you ever so much. Do appreciate it. And we'll uh, talk again soon. No problem. Take care. Good man. There we go. Uh, John Bonfilio uh, joining us from Campeche in Mexico.